Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Welcome, welcome everybody to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group, beautiful downtown Maplewood, Missouri. I'm Adam Cruz and with me my co-host Shannon St. Pierre. Hello. And we're very excited today because we have some extra special guests from Straight Up Solar, right? We've got Doug Munch and Emma Gilmore here in the office, I mean on the rooftop, and they're from Straight Up Solar. So Doug, you're the you're a project developer? That's correct. Okay, and Emma is the marketing What are you what's your title? Assistant Director of Marketing. And you do statewide advocacy, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so b- before we jump into the solar stuff, because I know Shannon and I have a bunch of questions, and then we posted this on Facebook, and people were posting questions and stuff too. So before we jump into that, can you guys tell me just a little bit of kind of about yourselves and the company? Absolutely. Uh, and thank you, Adam and Shannon, for having us this morning. So my name is Doug Munch. I'm a project developer with Straight Up Solar. I've been with the company for... A little, a little over three years now, and uh, initially I got involved with the company uh, because I was actually the yoga instructor of our wow. HR, and so we both lived in Lafayette Square, which is one of my favorite areas, a ton of beautiful architecture, and I had always had an interest in solar. I definitely believe that new and upcoming technologies are best left in the hands of thousands of people with competing interests who all want to serve the interests of people who want renewable energy, who want to find ways of lowering their utility bills. And uh, through that, I got myself educated in the solar industry. Uh, I had sales experience in the construction industry, and so I transferred that skill set from one construction trade into energy and the construction trade within energy. And uh, since that time, I can tell you a little bit about, you know, straight up solar. When I first joined Straight Up Solar, which is founded in 2006, we were at about uh, 19 people at that time, and we're okay. a little over 50 right now. We do residential installations. We do commercial installations. Uh, we have some agrarian projects for corn farmers and hog farmers, and uh, so long as things continue to go well, we should be slated to do what I would call small-scale utility solar, which we're looking forward to, um, and we operate in, in Missouri and Illinois. So what is um, agrarian? Uh, agrarian. Agrarian. Yeah, agrarian. Farmers. Farmers, okay. Yeah. Okay. And Emma, do you want to tell us a little about yourself? Sure. So um, I got into the solar industry by starting off, um, I pursued a degree in renewable energy from Illinois State University, and then I went on to get my master's. Uh, and while I was in school, I linked up with our director of business development at the time, Shannon Fulton, and I interned and I interned with her. And so I basically started off as a business development intern about four years ago, uh, around the same time that Doug started out at okay. Straight Up when we were just 19 people. And um, I stayed on. I was lucky enough to you know, see the company grow um, throughout the past four years or so. And... Um, I've always enjoyed connecting with people who have adopted solar energy and renewable energy. You know, wind um, is is pretty big where I come from, as well as um, home, you know, residential and commercial solar. So it's definitely growing um, from a, you know, from a a smaller group of homeowners and folks in the Midwest to um, 
you know, your next door neighbors, you might see them getting solar in the next few days. Uh, I've gotten involved in advocacy with the Illinois Solar Energy Association and just really enjoy um, the outreach and connecting with the, the public and, you know, like like Doug, kind of sharing information, educating people on solar energy. And that's a big core value of um, Straight Up Solar. And I think of, of the solar energy industry right now is education. You know, we need to focus on that, making sure people who are interested in purchasing solar or in adopting solar are uh, armed with the information that they need to go into that decision. So. We appreciate you guys being here because, uh, and like you said, education is obviously really important to you guys, but I'd, I'm sitting here realizing as realtors, we go out and we see houses that have solar, right? I think we see commercial. I drive down Manchester and I see businesses that have solar. Yeah, I feel like it's more commercial, not so much residential. You see it sometimes yeah. in residential, but we, at least I for myself, I don't really know a lot about it. And so we're, we're excited to learn more about it today. And I've had clients ask, like, does that add value or does it take away value from the, you know, as realtors, we're going to start having to consider that in the pricing of properties and that type of thing. So uh, we got to learn about it. And and so I'm glad you guys are here today. Let's just jump into it, right? So there's different types of solar, but in in general, why should someone get solar on their roof? And is it always on the roof? And does anyone ever get wind? Is it all about solar now for residential, especially? Straight up solar is of precisely what we do, which is it's straight up solar. Uh-huh. And so right. and naturally every now and again, there's someone who's interested in wind. We have some solar customers who already had wind, but it tends to be uh, especially niche and um, we really don't get involved in wind. Now uh, I have to backpedal a little bit on the name straight up solar because naturally the other component of this is batteries. And that is a market that will to some extent have a similar trajectory as solar itself. So we do have solar plus storage projects that we've done. Uh, And uh, to your question about is solar always on roofs, what we also see is ground mounts. So if someone has, now this isn't going to be your typical suburban solar client. This is going to be somebody who lives out who has, you know, probably four or nine plus acres, or if they are a farmer, they have uh, essentially just a metal structure out in the field, and we install solar on it, um, and that can be you know, 100, 200, 400, 600 feet away from their property. Uh, the majority of uh, those who do go solar, it is on top of their roof, whether it's a pitched roof uh, or in your areas like the Shaw neighborhood or Tower Grove, it's going to be your, your flat-pitched roofs on your two- or three-story home. And so are there financial benefits to going solar or is it mainly people who just kind of care about the environment or? It, it's a, it's a blend of both. Um, we can talk a little bit about financially what solar looks like in a nutshell here in the Missouri market. And we can also talk about environmentally what's involved in the environmental benefits. Uh, Emma, maybe I'll talk a little bit about financially what a homeowner can expect for solar. And then if you want to take on the environmental part. Sure. Yeah, we'd love yeah, that because sure. I know there's people listening that are considering getting solar, right? And we've probably, especially myself, I've always sort of wondered about it. And I've kind of wondered, can I do that in St. Louis? You know, we're not in Arizona or California, right? And then how much is it going to cost me? Aren't there like governmental programs and stuff like that? So I know you guys are going to get into all that for us. Yeah, rebates and things like that. Correct. And so um, I'll, I'll start with the topic of uh, sunlight, right? Uh, you know, St. Louis, Missouri... 
is not Boulder, Colorado, right? Boulder, Colorado has over 300 sunny days a year that are at a higher altitude. There's less atmosphere for the sunlight to travel to. Uh, however, uh, St. Louis does have as much sunlight as portions as Florida because Florida is hot, but also Florida has all those afternoon storms that come in and all, okay. those, all those cloud coverage. So um, if you think about uh, the market globally, you also have a ton of solar in areas like Germany, right? And St. Louis has more solar, more insulation levels uh, than we do in Germany. So there's there's plenty of sunlight here. I mean, there's certainly some some technical components where we can get into the weeds, but, um, you know, you probably have to have a, a pillow to some degree to have me go through those details because you can get a little, <laughs> little sleepy. Sure. It can get, it can get uh, I, I think, a little a little more detail than I think is necessary. But for the most part, there's, there's a ton of sun here, right? We can still get sunburns. So, you know, solar can be uh, good for a home. Um, financially, here's a, a quick overview of what solar looks like okay. uh, with with the incentives here in Missouri. So solar, I would say, is akin to like buying a car in terms of cost, depending upon the kind of car you get, how big it is, and then what kind of bells and whistles you would add to it. Typically, solar ranges anywhere from, you know, 14 to I'd say, you know, 36, $40,000, depending on your system size. There's obviously exceptions to the rule. Sometimes it costs less. Sometimes it costs more. It all depends upon um, what you're trying to power. Yeah. What you're trying to power, how big the system is, um, how, how uh, labor intensive the, the particular project is. So can I ask a quick question about that? Uh, yeah. Has the a, has that gone down and B, will it continue Assuming that's sort of a yes, will it continue to go down the more people that do it? Do you know? Correct. The cost. Yeah, there's, there's a couple factors that, that influence uh, the cost globally. What I can tell you is when Straight Up Solar started 12 years ago, the installation cost was about $11 a watt. And the actual solar module itself was $4 a watt. So if you had a 200-watt a module and it's $4 a watt, the module would have been $800. Now what you have is, so again, keep in mind, the installation used to be $11 a watt. Now what we have, roughly, is the installation's about $3 a watt. Wow. And the solar modules were, previously were about $4 a watt. Now they're about $0.50 cents a watt. Holy you know, plus, cow. Plus or minus. Technology's uh, gotten better. Is that right? I the, mean- the, main, the, main, the, the industry went through a similar experience as what, what they did with, like, uh, beta tapes and, and VHS, right? Like the industry was trying to figure out like which technology is going to be the one that's deployed um. most often. And eventually they settled on the manufacturing process and the industry knew that like, this is the product that's easier to manufacture and they could really ramp up production. And then uh, a demand in, you know, Germany and Japan helped the standard operating procedures for those manufacturers. And so the cost really dropped considerably, especially around like 2008 to 2013. Uh, the prices really, really dropped. Uh, so that's that's where you know the the cost is of, of systems. You know, so financially, um, what people have available to them right now is a 30% federal tax credit. Now, this tax credit was actually started in the uh, Bush era. It was continued during the Obama era. Um, and it managed to, as a result of uh, the, the Paris Accord, uh, it was continued as well. So you had the 30% federal tax credit this year. You had the 30% federal tax credit next year, 2019. And then in 2020, it ramps down to 26%. And then in 2021, it ramps down to 22%. So just to clear that up, if I buy a $20,000 solar system 
that includes installation from your company, then I can take uh, what would thirty percent of that be six thousand dollars, and I can just that just reduces my tax burden by six thousand dollars. Correct, nailed it. Okay, I mean that's pretty hefty. It's 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 a chunk of change. I mean it helps and. So are there other rebates even locally? So this is a federal tax credit. Are there state credits or rebates or incentives of any sort? Uh, There are. And uh, to provide more backstory to it, and there's like a fun little anecdote about this. The rebate initially was a result of the 2008 uh, Proposition C. And Proposition C was really spearheaded by uh, Aaron Noble and uh, PJ. Yeah, PJ, PJ uh, who, who was with Renew Missouri. And so uh, Proposition C was uh, a ballot initiative, and like a lot of ballot initiatives, it took a lot of interest and a lot of elbow grease on the part of the renewable community to have the citizens of Missouri say, yes, we want more renewable energy. And so Aaron Noble would go outside of Cardinals games and look for uh, poetically all the smokers who were taking smoke breaks and she'd walk over, you know, to them uh, and with their clipboard, and she would get them to sign her this this ballot initiative, and that was her that was her uh, most beneficial clientele, so to speak, in getting signatures on the clipboard. So through proposition, kind of ironic, yeah, yeah. The uh, so you really we, think we, about that. Yes, Missourians <laughs> owe uh, our, our uh, improved air quality as a result of uh, the. <laughs> Cigarette smokers, you know, clean air to you, you know, clean air brought to you by Marlboro. Um, <laughs> not a tagline I thought I'd hear. No, no. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, hats off to her and a lot of the folks back in the day. Um, and so Proposition C started in 2008. Uh, it ran for a couple of years. The rebate ramped down. And so now this upcoming rebate is being reinstated. Uh, and for uh, construction projects starting in 2019, from January to June, it's a 50 cent a watt rebate. So if you have uh, a 10,000 watt system, a 10 kW, uh, it would be you know $5,000 off of that. So you have the 30% federal tax credit and uh, the 50 cent a watt rebate to reduce your total project cost. Which is cool because I think you said now you're paying 50 cents per watt for the like equipment, right? Correct. Yeah, well, for the, for the solar modules. The solar modules. So, almost, so basically it, you're just paying the installation. Yeah, installation and the other balance of systems. You know, wire, uh, inverter, that's a critical uh, technical component that uh, is another piece of technology that, that actually receives all the energy that is direct current, right? When we plug our, our smartphones into our outlets, that's operating off of alternating current energy. So the inverter receives the direct current and then it converts it into alternating current, um, and so that's another critical component of of the installation. Okay. Uh, so let me ask the you know I love how we're just kind of jumped into the financials here, and that's what seems everyone seems to that's what they want to know, right? What's mm-hmm. it going to cost me? And then so now we've kind of talked about that, but what's it going to save me? Am I going to save on my monthly utility bills? I guess that's the whole point. Well, until we get to the environmental points, but the financial side that's the whole point, right? Is I'm saving monthly. Yeah, you're saving monthly, right? So the idea is right now everyone has the same supplier of energy. And what you're doing is you're augmenting or you're replacing your existing energy provider, and your new provider is the sun. And so the energy that's coming out from the sun uh, could be less than the amount of energy you're currently paying. So 
if I have, and, and we can also get into the real estate side of this, which is what happens when a, when a homeowner already has solar, right? What's right. the value added to the home? And then what happens in the sales process when the home already has solar? So uh, for, some, for some individuals, solar can nearly eliminate their, their utility bill, right? There's, there's always a meter fee. Like, there's always a cost to be a customer, but then you're also paying for the energy itself. Um, so, you know, most of our customers, their utility bills are being reduced, you know, 75, 85, 95%. So how long do you think it typically takes some, the, the average residential consumer to realize their investments with the 30% federal tax credit and with the rebate, I'm going to say the average falls around 11 years. Okay. And so the, the comparison I always like to make, it's like a, it's like a medium term, uh, treasury note, right? It's, okay. it's about, you know, say 10 to 15 years to get your money back and your internal rate of return, which is different than the return on investment tends to fall between, I'd say like five and 7% internal rate of return. But that's great too, because you know that, uh, that investment, and this is a perfect segue into the environmental component, right? That investment meets people's financial needs to lower their utility bills, right? Every appliance you buy in your home, it sucks energy out. This is the one appliance you buy, you plug in, and it sends energy in. And it can also meet people's uh, environmental I like goals. The, I like uh, that analogy, the appliance. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we think of solar panels as an appliance, but yet we'll go out and buy a really nice stove for sure. five, six thousand dollars easily right Mm -hmm. yet we balk at ten thousand dollars for a solar panel something that actually pays us back and lasts longer than that stove actually probably does so i think it's that's an interesting way to put it in a different mindset but so like altogether if someone would have bought this you know bought solar for their house 11 years ago by now they probably would have been somewhere breaking even sure it's a little bit different with the different rebates and all that stuff has technology changed like if we buy it today, should I be worried that 11 years from now there's something totally better and I'm just going to want a whole new system anyway? Or the 11-year-old system is not going to hold out as long as today's systems. Better yeah. yet. Yeah, great great question, and, and we get that frequently. And uh, like any new piece of technology, um, you, can, you can wait as long as you like or you know that what we have available to us today meets your needs and that you can capitalize on it. Uh, the... The improvements in solar aren't going to be so radically different where um, if an individual waits, all of a sudden the cost is 75% lower and the item produces twice as well, uh, twice as good as, as what it did initially. So there, there are improvements. You know, Costs are continuing to go down. Um, and I think that timetable of knowing that uh, next year is the last year, the tax credit's at 30%. And the rebate, you know, it, there's there's five point two million dollars of money in the pot, and you know, so between the first half of two thousand and nineteen, everything tells us that that is the ideal time for the Missouri buyer to go solar. Otherwise, you're having to, I mean, unless you're a Moody's analyst and you're really looking down the pipeline of you know what the market is going to give to people who are interested, um, right? That's that's the bird in the hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you kind of ta- you kind of briefly mentioned you. I guess you can talk a little bit about real estate s- sales and stuff. What what happens when someone installs a system and then three years later, you know, wants to move? How does that? How, what have you seen happen in those cases? I don't think we've ever sold a home. I haven't. We either with solar or we haven't. 
I guess we may have that I just don't even know about. Like we didn't make a big deal about it, but I guess there's some sort of agreements between people because the buyer's really getting a lot of benefit. So I think it's a marketing thing, but is there, you did mention that there's a piece of the sales process. Is there a transfer of ownership when it comes to solar panels and the, the energy box that it collects and uses? Yeah, yes. And, and uh, I do want to touch on that, although I do want to pass over the opportunity to talk about the environmental okay, component, okay. right? Because we are, we are a solar company. We are here to meet people's financial interests. But the, the heart and spirit uh, of this company really all started out to bring more renewable energy to the world. And uh, coincidentally, it is also financially advantageous for people, too. So I want to give uh, Emma an opportunity to talk about what kind of environmental benefits uh, a homeowner or a business receives in going solar. Where am I currently getting my energy from? You know, I pay my bill to Ameren, but where are they getting it? And I'm assuming that it's not a great system for the environment. Correct. So, from a you know from a, a water perspective, from an air perspective, um, you know, just for our our quality of of life in this region. Um, the mix of energy generation is, um, you know, very dependent on coal, especially in Missouri. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Yeah, very, um, very highly coal dependent. We also have a mix of uh, wind coming online as well, and um, and some natural gas in there too. Um, in Illinois, it's about fifty uh, percent. It was about fifty percent nuclear, fifty percent uh, coal. Uh, and there are more, you know, chunks being taken out every year um, in terms of natural gas generation coming online, as well as wind and solar. So, um, so it's a mix of yeah. resources. Yes, exactly. And so we have, um, you know, we have our our baseline resources, and we have our renewable resources. And um, it's actually funny. We were at a green business challenge uh, about a month ago, and um, it was presented by Amer in Missouri. And Representative um, Gwen Mizell, she was speaking about, you know, Ameren's um, long-term plan to bring more renewables onto the grid, uh, you know, to to just improve the environmental um, attributes of our energy supply. And so um, solar panels, of course, produce electricity. And so the, you know, we rely on um, not just electrical power plants for our energy usage, but also uh, gasoline for our cars, and we rely on um, the natural gas system for our, uh, much of our home and, and building heating. Mm-hmm. So um, just to you know, make a note, the solar electric uh, PV systems, a PV is for photovoltaic, and photo is um, you know, photons from the sun produce electricity. Uh, voltaic is the electric- electricity portion. Um, so these photovoltaic PV panels, they produce electricity for our homes and businesses. And, um, you know, we're, we're also seeing larger solar energy installations come online, um, not just at, you know, agrarian systems like, like Doug was talking about. Uh, farms and, and businesses are typically larger solar electric systems, but also, um, you know, utility scale systems like the like Ameren, Missouri mm-hmm. and other state utilities would um, would bring online. And um, so there's a clear environmental benefit. Um, we have, you know, carbon emissions, um, sulfur dioxide, um, you know, nitrogen dioxide. Um, and we it's it's kind of cool when we produce a proposal for a homeowner 
we have a page that's dedicated to the environmental benefits. And, um, you know, we say an average 7.5 kilowatt system, right? We, we rate these systems in thousands of watts of solar installed, not to get too wonky and technical. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, 7.5 kilowatt is, I'd say, our, our average size system. Is that right, Doug? And so, um, you know, you look at what that system is going to save in terms of um, you know, carbon dioxide emissions and um, even even water savings from from those electric power generation system, uh, you know, systems throughout the 25 year lifespan. And you can compare it to thousands of acres worth of forested trees wow. ground throughout that time. Yeah, a 10 a 10 kilowatt system over the course of 25 years will save about 300,000 pounds of coal from being burned. Holy so cow. if if you look at you know any and that's just one that's the typical size that, for a homeowner that yeah I'd say I mean it's a little less I think as you alluded to but a little a little larger than than the national average but we certainly have homeowners with uh, sixteen kilowatt systems and so okay. if, if you think I always like to think about your your old image of a father and son walking down uh, the Shaw, you know the Shaw neighborhood back in the day with a wheelbarrow and a bunch of coal and a shovel. They'd go house to house with their little baggies of coal and they'd throw it in the coal chute, right? And so our modern-day homes with air conditioning and lighting, you know, over the course of 25 years, just think of the the pile of coal you would need on, say, like a parking lot across the street just to power that home for the next 25 years. And that's over 300,000 pounds. And I think that that's part of it is we don't have these visual uh, reminders of the impact that we have when we use the electricity in our homes. How else do you help homeowners see the benefits environmentally? As I was saying, when we make the proposal, we kind of show them how much you know, of their footprint they can offset in terms of environmental attributes. Um, it's really funny because uh, behavior does change when, when someone goes solar many times, right? So just to, to kind of talk about that for a second, it's it's funny. So you have those people who have very low electrical usage in their home. They're very energy efficient. Um, and by the way, that's the first thing you want to think about when you're, you know, you're thinking about solar, right, is energy efficiency. You want to, you want to consider um, everything that you've done in your home to make your home more energy efficient. Uh, because we always say the cheapest kilowatt that, um, the cheapest kilowatt is the one that you don't use, kilowatt hour. So and when you say more efficient, you're talking about insulation, yeah. Better windows, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, lighting, appliances. Uh, LED right? lights. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so sometimes after somebody goes solar, they tend to reduce their electricity usage. Sometimes um, they increase their electrical usage, right? And so um, there are actually, um, you know, when we install a solar energy system, we add on um, production monitoring, so you can actually see in pretty much real time what your solar energy system is producing in terms of kilowatt hour energy. And um, occasionally a homeowner or business will elect to also add consumption monitoring so that they can see what they're actually using in comparison to what they're producing in their solar energy system. And so you know they can kind of tell whether their um, consumption has increased with when they've gone solar or decreased. Um, but yeah, many people think about energy efficiency first. When you put one of these panels or a bunch of these panels on somebody's roof, 
does it actually like prolong the life of their roof because their roof's getting less of a beating from the sun and the rain and whatever? And I guess that that's kind of a question too. A concern that's come up is the what if my roof is mid-year? These have a life expectancy, which you've said, I think, a couple times of 25 years. Correct. Okay, so for 25 years, you have solar panels. My roof is, say, mid-year, you know, going to need to be replaced within five to ten years. How is that handled, and how do you address that? It's a balancing act. You have to develop realistic expectations about the homeowner of what, what that means for them. So, uh, Adam, you're right in that if you have solar on one half of the roof, it's the solar modules that are going to be bearing the brunt of weather, of the sunlight, mm-hmm. of the rain, and at least that, that half of the roof is going to be protected by solar modules. Now, if I have a homeowner and I talk to them and they say my roof is 17 years old, um, the expectation is that, you know, give them another seven years or so and they're probably going to have to re-roof anyway. So at that point, they want to take the initiative to remove the existing shingles and add new ones. Then now they have this nice clean roof ready so that by the time the modules 25 years later are ready to be removed and reinstalled, so are the shingles. Now, now if someone's at a midway point, the process of removing the modules and reinstallation is something that we do all the time. Okay. Uh, both with our with our own installations. Um, and again, as we've been around for 12 years and we've done over a thousand installations as companies have come and gone, you know, straight up solar has been there to do remediation work on other projects and removals and reinstallations. So that's a really good. Okay. Thinking ahead. Okay. Yep. So is it expensive to uninstall and reinstall? I mean, are you paying the same original installation costs or is there, um, you know, it's about a hundred to $150 per, solar module so if someone has 20 okay. of them and it's a one-story home and it's a nice uh, shallow pitch and it isn't too difficult for someone to move around the roof you know two thousand dollars to remove and reinstall roughly. which isn't bad yeah not not bad and, it, and usually that that removal process is done as part of roofing too okay right? okay so um let's kind of take a step back i guess if you want to give us like the 101 on solar energy right so we everyone sees the thing on the roofs mm-hmm but if they're like me, they have no idea what else is happening. Are there wires coming off of that that's connecting to like my electric panel? Or is there some sort of box, I guess, that magic is happening in? Can you give us kind and of the 101? deliver it to the home. Yeah. So you want to you know about the magic? Yeah. yeah. Tell the, me about the how magic. How the magic happened. <laughs> I, can, I can do that. Uh, let me get my wand. So... Yes, the, the solar modules on top of the roof or out in the field, they are receiving the photovoltaic energy from the sun. Uh, solar module is really just like a battery, right? Um, it's, it's sand. It's doped with uh, uh, boron, and I forget what the other one uh, is. Phosphorus. Phosphorus, right? So one end is positive, one end is negative, and then there's metal junctions between the solar module. So when... Uh, one end is excited. There's the electrons that are going to travel through the pathways within the solar module. And this is all direct current energy, right? And so as the energy is flowing from uh, one module through the next module and the next module and the next module, they're all meeting at a central point, which is a combiner box. And so that combiner box is collecting uh, the series of energy generated by all the solar modules, say it's 26 of them, to that central junction box. And then from the junction box, it's going to go to the inverter. And the inverter is really where the magic happens, right? Because that's the component that 
both receives the direct current, changes it to alternating current, sends that alternating current to your electrical box. And it's your electrical box, your electrical panel that has your main breaker and your breakers to, uh, you know, your lighting, your receptacles to your air conditioning. And so on a day like, you know, today we're looking out the window and it's probably, you know, getting close to 90 degrees, maybe some clouds in the sky. You know that when, uh, say we had solar on top of this building right now, there's this light above our table. Mm -hmm. Well, that light under these conditions would be powered by the photovoltaic energy of the sun. Wow. And so let's say, for example, that it's Sunday and everybody's out of the office and you have the solar on top of your roof and you have all this energy being generated. Well, the question is, where does it go? And the immediate answer is to your neighbor, right? Because if, if you're out, of, if you're out of town or you're out of the office and it's Sunday, but your neighbor is next to their home in their home with the lights on, with the air conditioning on electricity goes to the path of least resistance. So if it has nowhere to go in your home, it's going to travel, uh, not to the electrical panel, but it's going to actually flow out through the inverter to the meter, right? And so the meter, if you if you go solar, uh, Ameren removes the existing meter that you own and they replace it with a bi-directional meter. And so if you look at that bi-directional meter, there's a little uh, LCD screen. And so if you're not in the home and you're generating all this energy, you'll actually see this arrow pointing backwards. And that shows that you're feeding energy back out to the grid. And so now that energy is just going to go to your neighbors. So unbeknownst to your neighbors, there are periods of time in which you are delivering energy to them. And the point of generation isn't the coal plant, you know, 120 miles off the distance. So neighbors can actually benefit from their neighbor's solar panels. Now, does Ameren give a rebate or kind of any... their 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 uh, conscience can uh, be soothed knowing that their neighbor has now provided them uh, energy. So you basically the got sun. the rebate when you installed it. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you're. And so that's what I was asking: is if there's a reduction in the utility bill because Ameren's not supplying the, the energy, but a solar panel is. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. So essentially, those those electrons are going to be. Delivered to your neighbor, and Ameren's still going to to because that elect that electron is going to flow into your neighbor's meter, and so Ameren can still count. That was an electron that was sent to your meter's neighbor, uh, your neighbor's meter and house. They'll still get charged for it. What, what you do have is what you call net metering, and so what happens is if you generate energy, say on a Sunday and you're not there and it's sunny, well then when you come back on Monday, say Monday is cloudy. And now it's raining. Well, your solar array is not going to produce anything if it's a really cloudy, rainy day. So what does that mean? You're now paying for all this Monday's energy use. But you can say, well, what I have is a solar array that produced energy for me on Sunday. So you, 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 what you do is you get to use Sunday's energy production to pay for Monday's oh, energy cool. use. And that's called, that's called net metering. Um, and so there's, there's more details okay, about so- that, that that we can talk to. And, and part of straight-up solar is is making sure that the financial modeling is sound to what happens when you use instantly what you've generated and then what happens when you produce more than you use. And there's some financial consequences to generating more energy than you use um, on a monthly and an annual basis. But that's that's kind of a weedy detail that, yeah. that I get into at the, at the kitchen table conversations, but uh, probably not necessary right now. 
Okay. I think everybody's first introduction to solar was probably on their calculator, right? When they were in second grade or whatever. The T, the T, you know, the Texas Instruments. Texas Instruments, maybe. Is it the same technology and the calculator that it is on the roof? It would have to be, right? Oh, I like it. We stumped them. (laughs) I think it's different technology. It's different technology. Um, Yeah, I think so. So Doug was talking about the, the crystalline silicon cells are really the foundation of the technology that we've been using for... Oh, the past, the better part of maybe 30 or 40 years now. So really has become more popular in the past, you know, uh, 10 to 20 years. But yeah, that crystalline silicon is the old standby. And So do you see a trend uh, with the introduction of electric cars, people putting not necessarily solar panels for their home, but for the garage just to... On a, so a much smaller scale just to power the car because that would be the point in the first place is uh, less impact on the environment, right, with these cars. Do you see a trend in that way? I mean, this would be a perfect example to talk about what it means for a homeowner to sell a home that already is solar because they've had precisely this instance with a homeowner who had both solar and the electric vehicle and they were selling their home. So I could use this as, as like a, a platform to Great. talk about that and what it means for someone who either – already owns solar and is considering selling their home or somebody who's in the market to buy a home and now there's a home with solar on it. Okay. So uh, what I can tell you is we have uh, one client with a home in Glendale and uh, he had solar installed on his home and then after he had solar, he also had an electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certain, there's certain times of the day where he knows that solar is acting in two ways. One, solar is now like a tiny power plant on his home, you know, powering the lights in his home. And solar is also like a fuel station where he's not driving his, his, you know, vehicle down to Phillips 66 to fill up. He's just got his, you know, Phillips 66 in his home, so to speak, only it's not uh, liquid gas, it's solar energy. And that's where he's plugging his vehicle. That's into. a pretty cool guy, huh? Very cool mm-hmm. guy. And then we love, and then we, you know, we love him cause he went solar twice. Right. And so he, he sold, his home that already had solar on it, that already had the electric electric vehicle charger ready to go for the prospective buyer. And then he was moving into another home into Glendale and he built that home with a roof line optimized for his second solar installation. Okay. And so there's this question, which is how, you know, how do real estate agents think about solar? Um, and the immediate answer is, is, you know, they're, they're typically not quite sure what to make of it. Right. Exactly. I mean, like they know, they know what to think about pools. Um, now my sometimes some sometimes <laughs> uh, and and please chime in my my view with with pools versus solar is um, pools aren't necessarily looked at with um, uh, concern although we all know that pools are money suck it takes maintenance you got to fill it up you got to clean it um, and there's definitely safety concerns and there's safety concerns right now you maybe you already had to build a fence around it you got to mm-hmm. think about kids. Um, and, and, you know, with solar, um, I can tell you sort of anecdotally two stories about it, but one, it was this, this individual who had solar in his home and had the electric vehicle charger in his night conversation. He told me that when he had an open house, he would print out his utility bills and he'd put them on the table. Mm-hmm. So that way, if someone's looking at one home in Glendale, that's 2,600 square feet and his house, that's also 2,600 square feet. And the two are comparable in price, but one has the one without solar has an annual utility payments of maybe say $1,300 a year and his was $8 a year. 
you know, solar in that sense, that's, that's, you know, over a thousand dollars a year in savings because he, precisely because he has solar. Um, and, and as he said, he didn't need a thousand buyers for his home. He only needed the one. Well, yeah, I, I do think that there's not only the financial benefit to the solar power, but also you have a pretty good trend and you do have a good following of people who are environmentally conscious and that in of itself is a benefit. A home that's green, you know, the green homes that they're building, but a home with solar panels still provides some aspect of that. So there is, I think, a huge benefit to solar panels when it comes to real estate. It just depends on how you sell it. Can we take a a second here to, I think, you know, people are probably wondering what solar system they should get and that kind of thing. And uh, basically, I'm guessing what we would suggest is that they call you or contact you, right? So can you guys kind of give your contact information? Or however you would, whoever you would want them to call from Straight Up Solar. Which, by the way, I went to StraightUpSolar.com. I'm loving this website. Thank you. I want to know who made the website. and, and it's You I, made Emma, that site? Emma, Emma had a big role in it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a really good site. I will give a shout out. It was a local um, web development company, GoBrain Go. They helped on our Oh, GoBrain Go did it? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. I know those guys. Yep, we worked with them for a long time. There's um, so much information on there. It was a struggle to, to cut information can I let them know who to contact? Fire away. Okay. So we've got a great team of solar support specialists at Straight Up Solar. And um, to get a hold of them, you can call uh, locally, 314-218-2663. And, um, you know, someone named Bob or Natalie will most likely answer the phone. Uh, we also have a toll-free number for anyone who's you know, wants to, wants to make use of that. It's 844-97-SOLAR. So is the process, call them, Bob or Natalie would come out to the house, kind of evaluate your roof, talk to you, and go over the details about the size you would want, the financing options, and all this kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so they would, when you get a hold of them, they will kind of visit your house virtually. So they would most likely you know, be on the phone with you. They would like to know your, um, your street address mm-hmm. so that they can use Google to, or, you know, the the online mapping system to um, locate your home from a satellite view. And then, you know, sometimes those maps mislocate. So we'd like to confirm the exact location of the home. Isn't that energy efficient of them not to drive all the way out to the house? Trying to save. Precisely. (laughs) Look at that. Um, And the other, so confirming the location and, you know, the roof line, if it's a roof installation, as well as, you know, any available ground space or possible tree cover, any other factors, um, is important, so that's why we like to know the exact location. And then, um, you know, if you have a copy of your electric bill, you can usually take a picture of it and send it to us at hello at straightupsolar dot com or through our website. We have a couple different forms on there. Okay. Um, and you so, also have a calculator. Yeah, we do have a calculator on there that people can play with. Yeah, we have a residential and a business version of that. A solar calculator. calculator is what you call it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you put in your estimate of your monthly bill and then your utility. And then we can tell you how your utility will credit, you know, through net metering, credit your solar energy production and give you some some basic uh, benefit information about the system that way. Um, and for us to get started on a quote, it really is important for us to know your electricity usage and to confirm that. Because if you decide to go forward, we want to make sure that we're sizing the system correctly and we don't want to go, you know, off in the wrong direction with your usage. So, um, Well, I have like kind of a... Half a page of questions left. You guys still have a few minutes to keep talking? Yeah. Okay, cool. So 
One thing that you mentioned on your website is energy independence, right? And we've sort of talked about houses and commercial and stuff so far, but are you getting a lot of people like Lance doing cool things like powering their van or their RV if they want to go boondocking? You know, um, I've been watching a ton of YouTube videos about living off the grid and stuff, you know, and I'm super interested in it. Is that a thing now? Are people doing that? Every year we have uh, a couple projects that are unique in that way. The majority of our installations are grid-tied system where someone's already pulling energy from the utility company. Um, so we probably have a few pet projects where it is a cabin off in the woods and they have solar plus storage. And then, uh, yeah, you know, Lance is perhaps, you know, traveling the country right now with his, uh, solar modules on top of his RV. Uh So you can make his morning coffee wherever he is. And the point of his solar panels is to, uh, power the appliances within the rv correct so he doesn't actually have to plug in go to a campsite or anything of the sort is that yeah, if you want to keep like a little refrigerator mm-hmm. or something like that in your van then you know how are you going to get the power for it right he's got a little battery in it too to power the refrigerator at night yeah around 10 years ago in my old subdivision someone um they were kind of like down on a hill and they put solar on their house and the neighbor up on the hill that had to look down on that was really unhappy and they got in this big like neighborhood dispute and stuff like that. So I'm guessing you suggest people check with their municipality, their homeowners association, right, before they do it because there's probably rules. Is that right? Yeah. Um, actually, there was. So in uh, it's very important to, you know, check your homeowners association guidelines um, you know, maybe uh, walk next door and talk to your neighbor and kind of get them primed for these beautiful solar panels that mm-hmm. are going to be on your house. Um, we have also, and I know that, you know, we and the industry as a whole, we are generally very willing to do presentations to organizations, you know, homeowners associations, municipalities to demonstrate the look and the placement of a solar array within a subdivision or, you know, to, to the neighbors. Um, we, of course, do with our proposals, right? Preliminary um, designs to kind of show how the solar panels are going to sit on the house. Um, And a lot of people, when they think of solar panels, they have that gut reaction because they might be thinking about solar panels from decades ago, or they might be thinking about solar thermal systems, um, which, you know, are also great. They, they do hot water heating, but they do sit up at an angle and they do, you know, they're, they're a much different look than the solar PV panels, which lie um, flat on the roof, flat across the roof. Um, Many times can't be seen. Um, In Missouri recently, there was just a, a favorable ruling um, for a couple of, of people who had solar installed on their home in 2011. Right. And they had been, um, they had been in uh, you know, kind of a legal standoff for many years about whether or not they could keep their solar panels. So um, I will say that in Illinois, there's an uh, Illinois Solar Homeowners Rights. Bill of Rights. Uh, Bill of Rights, yes. thank you. And um, that says that basically your homeowners association cannot you know, say that you cannot have, they cannot restrict you from having solar panels um, unduly. So if, if the only available surface that they'll allow you to install on is, say, the north face um, of your roof, and that's not going to work well for your energy production, then you have this Illinois Solar Homeowners Bill of Rights that you can point to. Um, in Missouri, that that kind of effort is still developing. So, um, okay. But yeah, we're always happy to show off the, the attractiveness of the solar panels that we've installed as a to make the positive case for 
I'm assuming that by now kind of like the public perception has changed, you know, and people don't like that was a guy I knew who was like, that's ugly. Right. And I think by now, now he actually lives in Colorado and his Facebook is him hiking and stuff all the time. Right now he probably has solar on his own house. You know, yeah, I was going to ask how that battle went down. Yeah. So, um, solar, it's all, you guys are all about solar or electricity. But I think back in the day, there was a bunch of like solar water heaters that people had on their roof. Is that still a thing? You guys don't do that, right? We don't do that. Because you would just solar electricity, and then if they wanted, they could get an electric water heater, right? Correct. Okay. So, there you go. Uh, problem solved. Yeah, one of our realtors has these old solar water heaters on his roof that are just, they're just not using anymore. You know, I think they just, I guess that maybe that technology kind of came and went. They they had more challenges, and it, I just don't feel like they had uh, the uh, pull-yourself-up-by-your-own-bootstraps kind of willingness to to make it work. So Work through the challenges. Yeah, okay. correct. Okay. So do you mind if I jump through some of the questions I got from Facebook? Mm-hmm. I think we've sort of answered some of them, but so my dad was my first question. He's asking, are there any options other than the large panels? And so I don't know what he's picturing in his head. Maybe he doesn't know about the new stuff, but... I don't know if can I bring up uh, the Tesla solar roofs? Have you guys know, do you guys know about that? What do you think about that? Is that even a thing yet? Can you even buy those yet? My fellow project developer quoted his own home for the Tesla shingles, and the cost for it was three times more than what your standard PV solar module would be. Uh, Tesla and all their ingenuity are also equally brilliant in marketing. And mm-hmm. that they're capable of capturing the imagination of America with upcoming technologies without ever saying how much it costs. Yeah. Who is going to actually be doing the installations, whether it's them or the channel partners. So uh, like a lot of new technologies, especially with energy, it, it tends to hit Australia and then the coast first before it becomes financially viable in the Midwest. I would imagine it will be many, many years before the built-in photovoltaic uh, Tesla shingle type installations become uh, viable in this area. We're still we're still very much in the early adopter stage of your standard PV systems. So, but are the are the um, we'll call them PV panels, I guess. Mm-hmm. Are those kind of like rigid, or do they have ones that are sort of flexible now? And why would we care if it's on our roof? But maybe if it was on the van or something like that, then it's more important. The this so the standard size of them. It's it's a it's a metal frame. It's tempered glass. It's it's about uh, three foot by five foot. Now they do have your rollout uh, solar, uh, it's like a laminate almost. Uh Um, And those have shorter shelf life and the efficiency is lower and then they're more uh, temperamental to heat as well. So you still got, you still all got the uh, guys with their pocket protectors and glasses and white coats trying to figure out like the next solar panel, so to speak. Uh, but that's all still in the experimental stage. With in like terms a of making line design, a is slim what li- yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you talked earlier about how kind of the industry's kind of agreed on a technology, it was something else other than exactly how the panel's going to be, and the materials used. The materials used, correct? Okay. All right. Next, we have a guy who said we got we got solar three years ago, and I love it. I'd be curious to know if the technology will soon allow us to self-generate energy with charging stations in the home. Battery systems are increasing. Um, I think in the next six months, I have two battery projects that are slated for construction. So, you know, one, uh, it's, it's a 
system called Pika. They're out of New Hampshire. It's a real slick uh, battery. You know, the, the question is always how much is, is a battery going to generate for my home when the grid does go down? Uh, and it's always hard to gauge. It depends on, on how much energy you currently use and what you want to supply and how long you want to supply your loads. And then I have another uh, system, uh, LG Chem. So there's, there's available batteries out there. Um, Tesla, like the shingles with its batteries, uh, you know, has the marketing for it. They've done installations in some areas, but um, your Facebook poster is correct. It is not, the Tesla Powerwall is not available in this area, but there are other really good products that uh, look slick and operate really well um, and are reasonably priced for the battery market. But so to me, I'm here, I'm, what I'm thinking is this battery is important if I'm worried about the environmental benefits, right? Or the batteries may be important if I'm doing off-the-grid stuff. But that thing you mentioned earlier where it's like you make, make some Sunday and then you can use it Monday kind of makes it so you don't really need the battery functionally, right? I mean, you still want it for the other benefits I just talked about, but... There's more energy independence if you have a battery. There are... Uh... Because you can save up energy, you can bank it, so to speak. More, more the the spirit of independence, knowing that you are reliant entirely upon yourself. Now, what you have in areas like Hawaii, where energy costs four times as much there, a homeowner could install solar, get their money back in two years, get a battery, get their money back in four years, and then they can call their utility company and say, "I don't need you anymore." We we are far, far away from that. And what you have in certain markets that you don't have here, like in certain areas of California, Arizona, Nevada, which is when you come home from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., energy is more expensive. So if you've stored energy from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. or 2.59 p.m., what you're doing is you're pulling from the excess energy you stored in the battery bank. So now you're powering your home with, say, 15 cent in energy, 15 cent a kilowatt energy when everybody else is paying 40 cents a kilowatt hour energy. But in our market... The cost of energy doesn't change based upon the time of day. It only changes based upon winter or summer. Yeah. So Mike, if he, if Mike would buy the, one of these batteries that you mentioned, A, he should contact you, but will he be helping to sort of help that technology get better? I mean, the more people that buy these batteries from the companies you mentioned, the better their technology and their construction and processing and everything would be, I guess, right? He'd be supporting that market. Anytime we get an opportunity to buy a couple of different battery systems at a time, our costs go down. Therefore, the costs to the client go down. And if if the itch he's really trying to scratch right now is he likes technology and that excites him, mm-hmm. that's really the primary driving force for batteries right now. Okay. Another Mike asked, what's the shelf life of a panel? Which I think we've answered. You're saying 25 years, right? It will still produce 80 to 83%. After 25, 25 years? After 25 years. What the, the solar industry considers a module that's producing below 70% as, as dead, so to speak. But there are modules out there that are 30, 40 years old that are still generating energy. It's the inverter that um, we expect to go out you know, around year 13, year 15. That's the piece of equipment that will have to be removed and installed with a new one. The modules, there's no moving parts, right? Again, it's that sand doped with two different chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, you just leave it alone and it'll do its job. The inverter's mechanically doing all the work. Okay. He also asked if they still produce if they're covered by ice or snow. The Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, so the solar modules, if they are totally covered in snow... 
will not produce energy. But what does happen is when the sun does come out, the second a little bit of the solar module gets exposed, now you have a black solar module capturing the heat of the sun, and now you're going to get just enough electricity flowing through it where it's going to start to get a little warm, and it will melt the snow or ice quicker than other areas. Um, So uh, typically people can still be hands-off. If if someone wants to get a broom and uh, brush off the snow, they can. But then Kind of like your windshield. If you let your car go long enough, it'll actually just melt away. It'll just go away. Versus actually scraping Yeah. All right, my wife asked, what sort of cost goes into installing? What is the return? I think we answered those questions, but I just thought I'd mention her because it's my wife, Molly. Obligation. Hi, Molly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, any other questions? Anything we're missing, guys? Have you guys seen or done any projects in regards to your group buys where maybe a subdivision comes together and does a solar park? I don't, I don't even know. Like it takes a lot say an empty lot puts a bunch of solar panels on helps do the subdivision or anything in the city we, i mean we have lots in the city where i kind of think we, the neighborhood could buy one from the lra and put mm-hmm. a bunch of solar panels on it and it really kind of um supplies the neighborhood i mean yeah. i know it would be a huge undertaking to get everybody involved but have you done any of those projects so um when we do, when we have participated in group buys, um, just a little bit of background on that concept, and then um, I think I think you're kind of marrying it with the concept of community solar and um, community solar and group buys can be related because right the the foundation is a community of people coming together yes. to achieve yeah a maybe I'm not using economic. the right word but we're, a group of people come together by a bunch of panels to yeah. power the neighborhood yeah and so um so the thing that needs to happen for a group of people to take to draw electricity from a single array uh, you know kind of independently within their own organization is virtual net metering and um, we don't have that online in missouri quite yet right Uh, but in illinois we did we did just bring on a virtual net metering so um, we can have a scenario where there is a large solar energy array, and then groups of people um, they they kind of you know subscribe to a certain set of solar panels, and then you get credit for what your solar panels produce, and then you you have uh, energy savings that way. You know, okay, just like net metering, but not on your house. Um, and actually, there are you know cooperatives, electric cooperatives, have been some of the the first utilities to kind of because they can make their own rules to a large degree with their net metering and their billing policies. So um, they've been some of the pioneers with community solar, both in Illinois and um, in Missouri too, I believe. Um, so that's, that's the one side of it. And, and yes, it's possible, but it's, it's not quite fully realized. Um, it's, but it's, you know, it's in the near future, I'd say. Um, and then on uh, the group buy side, we are actually um, this is something that we've seen um, people really get into because you can achieve fantastic savings with pooling your um, your interest in solar, your community interest in solar, and um, receiving you know group education. You know you get like we're doing here in this podcast. You can come together with your community and you can um, listen to you know non partial third party provide solar energy education, whether that is you know, um, 
an organization like Renew Missouri or like the Midwest Renewable Energy Association who has spearheaded a lot of these group buys. And um, so the foundation is education so that everybody kind of um, comes together. And then the second part is a low bulk purchase price for individual solar installations. And those can be on homes and businesses. But that's the, uh, okay. The bulk, uh-huh. yeah, like a bulk buy. Yep. Um, and so you all come together, and um, what you know, a lot of neighborhoods and municipalities, they can be any scale, really. Um, they they do occasionally go out for competitive bid. So you know, you'll you'll um, put the bid out to your local solar installation industry cohort, and then you'll receive some bids, and, um, and then you'll pick your solar installer based on you know um, years of experience. Uh, certifications, uh, you know, Strip Solar and other solar installers, we hold NABSEP certification, which is the kind of the gold standard for solar energy installation expertise. And, um, yeah, ability to provide a low cost per watt installation price. Okay. So, yeah, so you can achieve pretty good savings that way. It sounds like there's so many changing technologies and all these different government programs and all these things. So uh, it's it's a lot for the normal person to keep up with. So we appreciate your company kind of being in existence and focusing on that and providing all that information instead of just saying, you know, we sell solar, right? So I think you guys are kind of the, the resource for anyone to come to. And we've really appreciated education. having you on the show. Yeah, the educational resource for anyone to come to. We've really appreciated having you guys on the show today. And so if anyone has questions, just go to straightupsolar.com, right, and reach out. And uh, thank you, Doug. Thank you, Emma, for being here today. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Adam. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. And thanks, everyone, for listening. So if you have any further questions or concepts that you want us to have on the podcast, just reach out, podcast at hermanlondon.com. Thank you very much, and take care.